Hello, and welcome to HR Unplugged. In today's episode, Anita Grantham, head of HR, and myself, Vanessa Brulot, human resource business partner at Bamboo HR, are joined by special guest and fellow Bambooligan, TJ Davis, head of HR operations. Join us as we walk through automating processes. We'll discuss how manual processes waste time and money, what tasks are easy to automate, and how to make time for people-focused work. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Welcome, TJ. Can you give our audience a quick introduction? You bet. Don't oversell me too much there, though, Vanessa. Um, But yeah, I'm TJ Davis. I lead our people operations team here at Bamboo HR. Um, I joined Bamboo uh, about three months ago. So I'm new to Bamboo HR, and I'm also actually new to human resources. So um, prior to uh, Bamboo HR, I spent nine years uh, in a variety of um, roles at Amazon um, and had a stint in between two two stays at Amazon with a company called Pluralsight. Um, But all of the roles I've been in have tended to lean towards operations. Um, And so when I was talking with Anita about this role, I never in a million years imagined myself in HR, um, but she really sold me on like, hey, this this is just a new lens to apply kind of your operational background. And she was right. I've loved it so far and I'm really excited to be with you all today. I'm so glad, TJ, that you're joining us today for this important topic. And if you've listened to HR Unplugged before, you know that we're a big fan of bringing people from the business into HR. We've converted TJ to the dark side, and I couldn't be more thrilled about it. He's had an amazing contribution to our team, Bamboo, in the short time that he's been here. And I'm just curious, TJ, like what other observations do you have given this is your first HR gig? Um, you know, HR is not as scary on the other side of the wall that, you know, no one ever wants to be in a conversation with HR, but now that I'm here, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's fun to kind of see behind the curtain. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I love the function. Like it's, it's honestly, um, there's so many parallels with other parts of the business that I hadn't thought about before until I was here and really got to kind of see the, the workflows and, and, um, you know, all the the opportunities there are for the topic that we're here to talk about today. Yeah, because truth be told, and I'm pretty open about this, you know, one of my biggest weaknesses is as a leader is operational excellence. It's something I've always tried to be better at. And in the spirit of Marcus Buckingham, play to your strengths. You know, I've always looked for a strong operational minded partner to come in and help really upgrade our HR processes because so much of it is manual, like we're talking about today. So I'm really grateful to have TJ's mind, who's operated in so many areas of the business, to bring that business acumen and sense into our HR team. Because I don't know, tell me in the chat if you experience this. I think it's an area that HR needs to upgrade, but it's not maybe native to our skill set. Well, I want to dig into our first question and talk about the manual processes that we often struggle with in HR. You've helped us with this quite a bit, TJ. And from my perspective, we have so many areas of manual work, time tracking, onboarding, reporting and gathering data, collecting feedback from employees, checking in with managers, tracking retention. TJ, what do you think about all of this? What would you say are the areas HR really struggles with from a manual work perspective? Well, I mean, you you highlighted so many of the areas, but I think just stepping back a level, and I, I saw some of this in the initial comments, I think the biggest challenge in HR is that our primary focus is people. 
And it's really not ideal to be efficient with people. <laughs> like it's it's usually not the effective route if we're just trying to um, optimize people because we're we're dealing with um, you know people's lives and their emotions and their feelings. Um, but the reality is um, because we slow down and we take our time with people, sometimes that carries over into a lot of our kind of back end process work just naturally because that's we're we're all really good at that. That's why we're in this this um, you know in HR because we're good with dealing with people. And so naturally we're good at kind of slowing that down. Um, so there's so many opportunities in all those areas you highlighted. The administrative portions of this role, if we can figure out how to optimize, automate, eliminate those pieces, they actually free up more time for us to have those strategic conversations to, to slow down and be more effective with people rather than having our whole week swallowed up with, with these pieces. Um, I, I like to kind of think about uh, a lot of the process that we have um, contain, you know, what I like to call paper cuts. I bet if you go and look at any of your processes, you've probably got a process that might be 60% automated. And then there's all these little steps that, that are manual things. And you think on a, in and of itself, oh, that's not a big deal. It's three minutes per employee that I'm onboarding. Well, in reality, if you're onboarding, you know, 50 employees, that, that starts adding up really quick. Um, and so, you know, those process paper cuts, um, they seem small in of themselves, but they come really big. So, an example I like to think of um, that that stood out to me just when I joined the team. We were we were my team was going through all of our processes, and I'll talk a little bit about this in, in in a minute. But I noticed that when we were offboarding employees at Bamboo, we work mostly in a hybrid environment. A lot of our folks work remote, and my team was spending a lot of time creating labels and 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 reaching out to get um, equipment shipped back. And, you know, we could try and make that more efficient. Maybe we could automate the email, but we actually took a step back and say, hey, let's let's talk with some other parties in this. We, we chatted with our IT team and we realized, hey, there's actually services that will automate this for us. UPS offers a service where we can create a, a, a QR code. It automatically emails the employee and we do nothing. They're responsible for it. And when we looked at it from a cost perspective, it was almost cost neutral because they took on all the risk of making sure that our equipment got back um, safe and, and it kind of included insurance. And so all of a sudden we were saving 10 to 20, sometimes an hour, depending on how much we had to talk about with uh, in time savings for each employee we we're offboarding. So it's just kind of an example of a paper cut that we think is inevitable, but there might be opportunities to solve there. You know what I love, TJ, and what I appreciate about what you've done so quickly is you've been able to... Um, shine a light on the hours we've been spending doing things that are manual. And what has been like the biggest surprise to you? You named that one with, uh, you know, with the QR codes and being able to send equipment back with IT. But like, were you surprised at the amount of manual work that we were doing when you came in? Because I, I think a lot of us just do it, but we don't really recognize that we do it. And then I did a skip level with a team member of yours today. And what she appreciates is finally she's recognized for all the work that just happens, you know, that that Wizard of Oz work, because I think a lot of people and tell me in the chat, if you feel this way, you just can't be recognized for this when you're spending hours and hours doing things that matter to the business, but no one sees it. Yeah, I think um, I highlighted a little bit earlier that what was most surprising to me was onboarding. Like that was just something that magically happened. You never thought about it unless there was a problem. Um, and it translates exactly to what you were saying. Like our team members are spending hours and hours and, and doing really great work, but they only get recognized if something breaks or if something goes wrong, like it's a kind of a negative uh, reinforcement cycle there. So, you know, I think one of the things we try to do is, hey, let's actually start sharing out 
how much time we're spending and, and how successful we are. Hey, we successfully onboarded 100% of our employees last month, and that, that required this much of work, and, and we were able to automate these tasks as we went through it. And we started figuring out, hey, what are the right ways we can surface that so that we're only so that we're not just talking about this when something goes wrong? Okay, I know this is kind of off script, but I have another question. You came in and you saw all these manual processes, and you can see everybody in the chat really feels this way. And how, where do you start? Like, how did you pick the one to start with? Like, how did you, how do you know where to start when you come in and look at it, especially if you're just used to staring at all the time? Um, I, whether it's right or wrong, kind of my approach, because I was learning the space as well, is I, I, I kind of needed to create the pillars. So I have a team of HR generalists and they were generalists. Everyone was doing everything, which was awesome. We had like this great knowledge base shared apart, but we didn't have like ownership within our teams that really owned these key components end to end. So the first thing I did is like in talking with the team, figured out, hey, let's let's create clear ownership. And then and then I kind of started applying just, you know, some basic continuous improvement principles and said, hey, I'm new. I don't understand this process. Can we map it out? And actually sat and, and mapped out the process end to end. And not just kind of the big things, like honestly, the little nuance things of, you know, Katie, who runs our onboarding, she started walking me through it. I was like, no, I want to know when you click on things, like when you actually have to click, like when you're copying and pasting something. And she literally went and wrote all of those pieces out. Um, and, and what you end up getting is that. And then I said, OK, well, how long does this take? And she'd never thought about that before. So she started like timing herself and seeing these things. And we started writing it down. And then once we got to that point, we could say, OK, which of these things might be easier to automate than others? And what's the return we'd get on it? We could. It naturally kind of created this prioritized list for us to go after. That's great insight. Well, let's talk about how these these small tasks that we spend so much manual time on actually end up costing the team and the business an incredible amount of time and money. Anita, what do you think about these small tasks that take up manual time? Yeah, here's some stats of what they cost. I don't know that anybody's going to be surprised on this, you know, but HR managers spend at least eight hours per week on manual tasks. That seems light compared to what I'm seeing in the chat. I think TJ gave us a great challenge of as you're doing those manual tasks to really quantify the time. That seems like a good step one of figuring out how much time. And then TJ, is there a way, like, is there a time like a timeline, but in a way like of if you're spending this amount of time, do you do you go to automate that or do you not? And then what if I don't know anything about continuous improvement principles? Where can I start or where could I learn about how to prioritize and where to prioritize like you were sharing earlier? Um, yeah, I mean, I think for me, there's there's a little bit of judgment that goes into that. I like to kind of think of it as like a two by two matrix of how much time is this task taking versus what's the difficulty in automating this? And sometimes you don't know. So sometimes it requires more research. Like, I don't know if I can automate this task, but I, I might might be worth looking into. And so with that two by two matrix, you can kind of, uh, you, you kind of get that sweet spot of what's, what are you spending the most time on that you think would be easier to automate? And I usually tend to start there. Um, and, and you talk about continuous improvement principles. You know, we, we hear Six Sigma and continuous improvement it seems intimidating. It's really not. Like I think if you go and spend, you know, an hour, um, an hour on researching online on some of these things, you realize, oh, a lot of this is like common sense principles. It's just how they're organized and how you kind of think through it. Um, you know, at a high level, continuous improvement is just a cyclical pattern. It's identifying the process you want to improve, mapping out that process end to end, 
figuring out what measurement's important. We've talked a lot about time, but that's not always the case. You know, it, it might be, you know, a positive outcome. It might be, you know, if you're talking about performance for employees, start measuring, hey, what, what percentage of employees are coming out of this? But what is that, that measurement that you want to improve? Are you even measuring it now? And then evaluating which of those processes might be able to be automated to, to drive improvement there and then testing it and kind of continuing to monitor it. Um, so those are, uh, you know, kind of the rates to go to it. I think the precursors to that though, are a, you've got to have a process. So many, what, what I noticed when I came in here is I had a, an awesome team and all, a lot of our processes were in their heads because they've yeah. just done it for so long. And this is what we've done. And it had never been written down or mapped out. So, so take the time to actually standardize that process, make sure it's written down. And then the second thing is if you're doing a process, there's an outcome you're trying to drive. How do you measure that? So do you have measurements in place um, and, and what are you doing to measure that? Some of that you can get, you know, it, through Bamboo HR and what you're doing there. Some of that you can do through time studies. You know, there's different degrees of difficulty of how you do that. But having those two things, I think, are really critical to being are, are the key two components to, to getting uh, kind of this continuous improvement mindset in place. How do you how do you balance the continuous improvement with the day job? Like if it's just me and I'm a team of one or I'm a small team of three, how do I, how, what, like, what percentage of my time should I allocate to continuous improvement versus doing the work? Yeah. Um, for, for me, it's, uh, this is one of those things that is um, really important, but not urgent. So if you just say, I'll get to this when I get to it, you will never get to it. <laughs> so it's critical, like some other things that fall in that bucket, that you actually block out time to work on this. And honestly, um, it depends on how busy you are, but even starting with an hour a week, the intent here is if you follow this process, you're going to give yourself more time to focus on this. So going, removing that 10 minutes you're spending with every new hire because you're able to automate that. All of a sudden, you know, if you're hiring four people a week, that's 40 minutes more a week you have after you've, you've automated that process that you can then dedicate to that. And that's where you start moving from, hey, all the work I do is administrative to now, all of a sudden, you were only spending an hour a week on this stuff. Now, all of a sudden, you're spending, you know, a whole day on this strategic work and thinking. So it's really kind of that ROI you get from, from investing in this initially. Well, we had a, a question in the chat from, from Lindsay. What's the most efficient way to map out your processes? Yeah, um, great question. I, I don't know if I've cracked uh, the code on this. I like to use a bunch of different tools. And um, I'll just share my screen real quick because I thought maybe this would come up. Um, this is Lucidchart, one of many kind of mapping tools that you can use. This was us mapping out our onboarding process. So again, my biggest surprise coming is just how complicated onboarding was. These were all the different steps and processes that we are going on through onboarding. Um, but there's so many different tools you can use. You don't need to invest in, in kind of a Lucidchart or thing like that. You can use um, you know, Google Slides. You can use PowerPoint. I, I typically, when I'm first sitting down to do this, I use pen and paper. Like I just work well with that. And then I might translate it once I, I feel like I've got it in place there. So, so that's typically what I start with. I also, it's great to involve other people. Even if you're an HR team of one, grab someone who recently, on, like, I'll stick with the onboarding analogy, but grab someone who recently onboarded and see was that their experience. Grab whoever your IT person is who's helping you with that function of it. Make sure that resonates with them. Like bring other experts in to make sure you're not missing things or that you're, there's components that maybe you don't own that you're not thinking of as you build that out. And I love your, your, your chat in the, this, this channel, uh, Anita, about sticky notes, because those are my best friend. Well, and a lot of times, like TJ said, if you have somebody, if you can even do it on a zoom call, but I find for mapping out processes. And I love this uh, push from TJ to say, take somebody that just went through your onboarding process 
get them on a Zoom or in a room with you and just sticky note it out on a, on a wall and you'll learn so much. And I love the push to TJ of like, um, cause I haven't gone this deep of like, how many clicks does it take for you to submit that change in the system? How many clicks does it take? And then to like do a stopwatch on your phone and really time yourself to go through those changes. Yeah, I think building those feedback loops, um, whether it's hard data that you can get, but it doesn't always have to be hard data. Um, with our onboarding, we didn't. We just created an automated survey that started going out. And within a month, we learned of like three things that actually saved us time if we'd implement them. For example, we, we, we got multiple comments saying, hey, I love your benefits overview. It would be great if I had some time three days later after I had time to, to digest this where we met again to talk about benefits. And all of a sudden we realized, oh yeah, the number one question we get from new employees is about benefits. This actually will save us time, save our benefit. It just saves everyone time. But we only got that because we created that feedback loop. Got it. So like once you've outlined all the steps, then you can start to implement these changes and kind of iterate on those changes it themselves. And like how you make the, is that like the process? So yeah. I'd outline the steps, I implement the steps, and then I start iterating to see how much time it's saving me and what else I want to evolve. Exactly. You, you test, you test kind of the hypothesis, you test what things will, will um, drive down that time. And then you reevaluate and say, okay, did I actually get the return I was looking at here? Let's move on to the next thing. Or if I didn't get the return, why not? Let's try something else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That makes, that makes a ton of sense. What is, what is the role? I love this question here that if you've got an HRIS, it, that is the culprit of a lot of the manual processes, you know, you're, you're a systems wizard. And what role does the system play into to this, to this whole thing? Well, I think, I, I think what's interesting is, um, and I don't, I don't know this, this person's exact situation, but when you actually take the time to do this, what this also opens up for you is how do you build business cases to drive change? So if you're using a, a old out of date HRIS and, um, you know, historically leadership said, yeah, we don't want to invest in something new. What's the true cost of using that HRIS? Um, time's money. And so can we actually quantify the time and, and what that's doing there? Can we quantify the employee experience? And that is all of a sudden you've got the components of a really strong business case to, to upgrade or to um, you know, add functionality that maybe you're, you're not investing in today. Again, these are things that like, oh, HR handles that and it's just getting done, but there's a real cost behind it that maybe we can use this data to, to help, uh, you know, help others understand. Sure. We have another question here from, from Vanessa. And, and if we need more contacts, we can we can ask for more. But onboarding in a healthcare setting requires multiple systems and spreadsheets. I tried ClickUp, but for multi-platform onboarding, what has been effective for you? It's a great question. Um, I don't, I this is one that I don't know because I haven't, Vanessa, I haven't been in that situation. I do know that um a couple of great tools that I think are worth investing in and, and particularly perhaps parting with your IT team would be Zapier and Make. There's a lot of these no-code solutions where you can um, visualize and build workflows that are triggered by, by other systems. And they, they even integrate you know, with Google Sheets or with, with Microsoft. And so um, there's opportunities there. It takes a little bit more research. But what's interesting about these no-code tools is every time I've gone to look for a workflow, someone's already thought of it and they've shared it in their library. So there's a lot of lot of things to build off there. So that's one of the solutions I think with, that I've used when working between multiple systems. Well, I want to dig into this idea a little deeper. Can you give us another example of something HR folks do that could be automated? And for the record, 
we are talking about freeing up time to do more strategic work so you can spend less time on tedious tasks and more time on work that impacts the business. What HR processes should be automated, TJ? Automated, TJ. Um, and, and I might not go, um, uh, oh, and Vanessa, sorry, I just saw your question. The other one's called Make. So um, M-A-K-E was the other um, automation workflow system to look at. Um, so, you know, Vanessa, on your question, I think the obvious ones as I'm talking about this, everyone's nodding on kind of the administrative pieces because we all fill those paper cuts and pain points, even if others don't. Um, but there's also potentially a lot of time and I, I'm, I'm not going to use automation because we wouldn't automate this, but the time we're spending on employee issues, um, and, and partly because it's where we want to be spending our time, right? Um, but, you know, one of my favorite Harvard Business Review articles came from way back 2002. It was titled, Beware the Busy Manager. Um, and it, it was a really great article that evaluated and looked, it, it followed all these companies and, and analyzed what they called unproductive busyness. <laughs> And it's not because the people weren't busy because they were, some of them were working 60 hour weeks, but it's where they actually being effective with their time. And I see um, HR professionals fall into this trap all the time. And, and it comes back again to that superpower, that strength that folks have of working with people. And um, so, so what happens is I see HR professionals spend so much time in one-on-one -on -one conversations and, and coaching and working with people that they have no time left to kind of drive those strategic organizational resort, results. So, you know, some examples, you spend all day answering employee questions about um, admin issues, PTO, other policies. You spend a good portion of your week in performance conversations or termination meetings or exit interviews. Really anything where you become the single source of truth or key point of dependency, it, that could be a counterfeit to you thinking, oh, I'm so busy, I must be being productive. Um, to be clear, it feels awesome to be in this position. I love, I get a dopamine rush every time I can answer someone's question and I return that Slack message. The reality is every time I'm doing that, I'm robbing myself of time for me to be strategic with the business. And so I, I think this one's uh, this one's really um, sitting back and saying, okay, how do I automate that? How, how do I automate performance conversations? Well, I hope you're not trying to automate performance conversations. You're not going to last long in your role, but are you, how are you extending yourself? Is it actually healthy for your organization for you to be involved in every performance conversation that happens? I see a lot of codependent relationships between management and HR. Like, like I joked early on where I was like, oh, I had this first, uh, you know, employee relations issue and I was looking for my HR rep. And I was like, no, wait, I, that's me. Um, what are we doing to empower your leaders so that they can lead these? So what I'm not saying is, hey, don't send out an email tomorrow saying, hey, I'm not helping with these anymore. But can you take a couple of hours and actually build training processes so that you can extend yourself and you can create forums so folks can do this and create clear guidelines? Hey, if it's issue A, B, or C, managers are going to handle this themselves. If it's this or this, this is when you involve HR. Um, and, 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 and suddenly you will find you will have a lot more time. You'll find a lot of those like uh, unplanned interruptions that happen every single day from folks reaching out to you, those will start to diminish. So I think that's one of the biggest opportunities outside of kind of these, you know, paper process paper cuts is really evaluating how can you extend yourself and how can you uplevel your leadership in the same in, in that same vein. You know, I love this, TJ, and I so appreciate, yes, Rosanna, this is exactly what I was just going to say as you took the words out of my mouth, teaching the leaders to fish versus giving them the fish. 
And I think in HR, so many of us want to be needed and we want to feel like we're being helpful, but we actually aren't scaling our ability to help and we're not teaching leaders how to be better. And I think one of the core principles that you brought into our team is how do we build tools for leaders to be self-sufficient and how do we really document some tools in a way that they can read um, a script. Like here, what's the effective way to have a performance conversation? Here's some dialogue around that. Let's have a training where we role model uh, compensation conversations. Let's do that where it's one to many versus one to one. Um, and that that's made a big difference for us. Absolutely. And I, I think even training on, I, I think I hear a lot of like, oh, well, what if they handle something poorly and this opens up, you know, compliance legal risk for us. Part of that's training of, hey, here are key phrases. And if you hear this, here's where you cut off the conversation or here's what you say in relation to those. And in reality, you're creating, this is leadership development that you're that you're doing for your team. You're helping them become more effective in the future and you're only going to build the capacity of your organization. It's true. Lots of good comments in here. Vanessa, where do we go? Well, I want to call out Norma's comment because I think that this is something that a lot of people in HR may run into and would love to get some advice from, from both of you here is every performance discussion, good or bad at my company, even after I've trained and provided templates, I say to them, like, I do not need to be in your meeting. Please document everything, email it to me. The manager says, okay, but spoiler, spoiler alert, it's never documented. So what advice would you have for Norma? <laughs> um, I love it, Norma, because I think we can all relate. Um, so, so this, I think goes back to where the people processes and your systems go into place. Um, you know, are, th this feels like a system that's in place right now that is based purely on, um, you know, the, you're assuming, you're assuming the best with your employees, but there's not actually a system to force it. Um, and so reevaluating your system of, um, it, it kind of starts back with like performance improvement plans and working backwards. Do you have a system in place of like, hey, we actually won't won't let go of someone for performance issues unless A, B, and C has happened, and you kind of work backwards from there, and can you build systems in place there? I'll say that it, um, an example that we had here at Bamboo is um, we didn't have a great system for tracking performance improvement plans, so kind of in the similar vein here, and we actually used Bamboo HR. We reevaluated and said, hey, not only is this a crappy experience for employees, it's a bad experience for managers. It puts us in a bad spot. But um, it also opens us up for, you know, legal compliance issues that we don't have good documentation of folks um, when these things happen. So we actually used Bamboo's tools and, and created our own system for this. We used a, a signature template where now the only way to create a performance improvement plan is through Bamboo HR. And it creates a signature template, which automatically saves that information in the employee's file um, so that we have that. And so looking back at your system to say like, okay, is there something that um, th that will automatically record this or, or um, force that is, is kind of the approach I would take. The other thing I'll just add TJ to this and everything in the chat is, you know, I love my value cards. I use them a lot here in HR Unplugged, but um, documenting is doing the right thing. So if there's a core value that you have within your system that speaks to doing the right thing, um, you can go to the leader and say, how would it feel to you if you were the team member? If you were in this performance conversation and you didn't have a document to go back to, if you didn't have a place, like I always think in these performance conversations, you know, TJ, they can be co-created. 
Do we believe that getting to performance that looks like this many closed deals in a week or this many sales calls in a week or this many projects shipped in a week is the outcome? Yes or no? Yes. Great. Let's write that down together. We both agree that success in the job looks like A, B, and C. And we write and we create that document together. And that way, the leader and the team member are on the same page and we're doing the right thing by both the team member and by the business and by the leader, helping all of them be successful together. And when I have the conversation with the leader that way of like, hey, are you committed to these values? And these values in action look like a documented template that we can all operate from. So we're all clear on the outcomes going forward then you can have um, greater leverage in the conversation. And if the leader's like, I don't wanna do that, then I love to have a conversation of like, great, maybe you should be an individual contributor because this isn't dirty work, this is about being a leader. And when you signed up to lead humans, you signed up to get them through. And oh, by the way, you chose to hire this person into the business. It's okay if you're not behind them anymore, but let's find a meaningful, empathetic, honest way to exit them out that is consistent with our processes and who we want to be as an organization. I love that. One of the things I love what you shared though to Anita is that documentation starts way before you get to the performance conversation. Right. And, and I would also add that um, if, if you create an environment where you're not just saying, Hey, manager, you're responsible for documenting this, but it's a company wide issue so that individual contributors know, hey, I need to document this. I think, you know, there's a lot of pros and cons of COVID and work from home. I think one of the pros I found that's helped me a lot is because of work from home, I historically, my one-on-ones were, hey, I'm going to come sit in your office and we're just going to chat. Now we have, you know, a, a shared document that we use that we keep track of our notes in and things like that that's kind of forced us to start documenting things. Um, but helping make sure that it's everyone's responsibility, employees as well, to, to make sure that you have those agreements and that they're documented. I think it, it does. It makes it so much easier. Yeah, definitely. Hey, TJ, what can you share an example of an automation you built with one of the tools that you've talked about within Bamboo? And if you want to dive deeper into that too, we can. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, and and I've, I've probably already mentioned this much and I'm, I'm obviously a little biased. I, I mentioned kind of the Zapier and Make tools, but one of the best tools for automation is Bamboo HR. Like we've got awesome things in there that help us customize and automate delivery reporting. You can automate approval workflows, create automated emails that are triggered by different changes. Um, you can uh, you know, create automated signature forms. So I, I kind of highlighted the one that I was going to go into, which was um, our performance improvement plan process. And I think I saw a couple of folks ask about how that was actually done. Um, so in, in reality, we, we took two steps to do that. So one was um, we have this signature template feature that's it's a feature in Bamboo HR where a manager can go in and create a um, create a new signature request based on permissions. And as HR, we created a template that is an actual PIP form. So it highlights all the things that are important for us in a performance improvement plan. And now that's the documentation piece after the conversation. The manager writes this up, shares it with the employee through Bamboo HR. So they sign it. It automatically sends a task to the employee to sign it. And then you can direct where you want that to save. So we created a new folder in the employee's documents called um, employee performance. And if there's a performance improvement plan, it'll get um, tracked there. Um, to add on to that, we wanted to be able to track those uh, so we could run reports and understand, hey, how many folks do we have on a performance improvement plans? What's our success rate coming out of these? We created a custom table that's uh, only visible to managers on the employee page. And when they create a performance improvement plan, they also document their 
When did the performance improvement plan start? When's the targeted end date? And what was the outcome? Um, and so now we can run actual reports off of that rather than having to go around and ask, <laughs> which we might've been doing before, uh, go around and ask, hey, how many people do we have on performance improvement plans? So I think that's one example that, that we've taken where we really tried to leverage Bamboo HR to drive, um, drive some automation. And, it's, and, and what's great is not only is it saving us time, it's such a better experience for both our managers and our employees, because now it doesn't rely on, as I used before, it doesn't rely on the manager's best intentions to do it the right way. It's the only way to do a performance improvement plan. It's, it's a forced way, like they, they can't do it any other way. So it, it helps, um, it makes it easy for them. So they're not having to remember what they need to do. Yeah, I'll share just another example because um, sometimes you don't have an HRIS, right, PJ? Like sometimes, like I remember I was working at a software company. We didn't have, like we just had a basic like payroll platform and we were hiring about, you know, 40 people a month. And it happened to be a software that was a CRM for small business. So we actually went to our product team and said, can we have an instance that leverages this product as an ATS? And we had them build our own instance where we managed workflow of candidates like they would customers through a CRM that became our ATS. So I would just encourage like, TJ, if there's not someone like you on the team or the team isn't operationally minded, where else in the business could um, our people here listening to everything go? Who would I ask in the business? Who could I go to for help and say, hey, what existing tools do we have that may not be HR specific tools, but could do duplicitous effort to kind of get some of these automation outcomes? Yeah, I mean, uh, our best friend is our IT department because um, there are things we're not even thinking of, and we take and 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 frankly, the the example I gave early on of automating the return of our equipment that that we identified the issue, IT came up with the solution for us. We didn't even know that existed, um, and you know, there tends to be a wealth of of knowledge in that play in that in that department. So we go to our IT folks. Um, but really anyone who, who is a partner of yours or who is a key stakeholder who deals an operation piece, it's okay to bring those problems to them. That's what I found is, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I know a lot of smart people. So can I talk to some of them and, and put light on the value of it? And usually I'm able to come up with a solution from, from folks I work with. And if you don't have it, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I saw that. If you don't, if you don't have IT. Um, I think that's where um, chatting with some of these forums, like a, a lot of those things, um, like I highlighted before, um, th there's a lot of online kind of solutions that are built for small business. So, you know, if you're having a problem, someone else is probably having a problem. So using, um, you know, our HR forum that Vanessa was highlighting earlier, bring it to the group. I'm sure there's others who have seen that piece, um, you know, that, that might be able to help point you to solutions they've used to try and drive this. I also find like if you're in a, you know, a lot of us work in different verticals and niche industries, wear a forum's there because if you're having that problem, I guarantee you some of your um, peers are having that problem. And there's probably someone who has created a solution to try and solve that. So looking in, you know, different different uh, solution providers for your niche industry might might have something as well. Well, and one thing that I love, TJ, as we've kind of moved through this this whole conversation is that there's this underlining uh, theme going on that as, as a leader coming in, like I know we've got people on here that are coming from an ops background, coming into HR and these new roles. I know a couple of people have posted that they're, they're new to this. So I think one of the, the theme here to, to really remember as well is when you're going into this, like doing what you did, TJ, is really understanding the processes, asking questions and not just sticking to one box of questions 
questions, but continuing to dive deeper and deeper and deeper until you really get that core issue to really map out what's really going on. And then you're also going cross-departmentally to like really understand as a business, where's the impact everywhere else? And sometimes we get so closed in into our own little view that having an outside perspective, like you coming in with that ops background is awesome because you you think about things that we wouldn't have thought about or asking the questions that other people haven't asked yet. And so there's like this huge opportunity for for um, people that are in HR and people are coming in from different perspectives and backgrounds coming in and asking and helping us grow from good to great. Uh, I wish I had my value cards in front of me, but Anita's got me. <laughs> I I love when um, I love when new people join a team. We've got uh, Kelsey just joined our team, and I, I love when new people join a team and they're not afraid to ask why. I think our our immediate inclination is like, okay, well, this is how they do it. I'm just going to kind of observe and figure it out. I love when people just come in and say, well, why do we do it that way? Why, you know, and just kind of inquisitive there and kind of building that into your own mindset. What's really hard is asking yourself why when it's a process you built two years ago and being being able to step back and ask yourself why a bunch of times about that, but you uncover a lot. So sometimes even just sharing your process with someone who's not even in your org, just to get a new set of eyes on it and have them ask those questions you might not be thinking about. Super helpful. Yeah. Well, Nina, before you kick us off with the chat GDP combo, which I know some of you, I, I've seen a few comments in there asking about it. So I know people are super stoked to hear this subject, but before we get into that, I want to answer Millie's question from uh, one of the earlier comments really fast is people don't like change. How do you convince teammates or employees to move from manual process? I get a lot of resist resistance when I introduced an HRIS. Yeah, I think um, I, I feel like I just went through this because uh, here I was a new guy to HR inheriting a team of really talented HR professionals. And they're like, who's this asking these questions? I think I think the real way to kind of drive change is it, it gets down to the root of like, what's in it for me? Like, and can you actually help them understand the why and how that benefits them, benefits their business, benefits what they're doing? Um, and if you can get to that piece, you're going to get more buy-in there. So it, from my perspective, one of the things and one of my key, um, you know, value propositions for my team as we started building this out was what that conversation we had earlier on of like, hey, you guys are doing awesome stuff. I want to make it visible. How, do, how can we talk about it? This is a way we can talk about it. We can actually quantify what you're doing and we can then start sharing that. And we do, we, we, write, a, um, we write a memo every month. That's uh, our monthly business review that we share with Anita and the rest of HR leadership team and components of that go up to our executive team of here's what we accomplished last month and here's, here's what we automated, here's what we're working on, here's the time we spent. And um, you know, they, they started catching the vision because they started saying, oh, I see where 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 this is going to benefit me. So that, that's kind of where I go to initially is like, how do you drive change? It's really making sure they understand the why and why that why is important to them. That has been a huge upgrade, TJ, for our team. It's just the communication upward of what's happening, what we're working on, what the impact is. And like you said, the why it matters. You know, if you don't do these things, people don't get onboarded. They don't get paid. They don't have benefits. They don't feel like a part of our culture. And that's important for us. And so, you know, really not just taking it for granted that everybody understands the why of our jobs and in a way that ties back into your mission and your values, being able to amplify that. Well, should we get into it? I know everybody's been asking about insights around AI and ChatGBT. I have definitely used ChatGBT for a number of things to help some with some co-writing, a co-writing co-pilot 
And I think it's really cool. Um, and, you know, if you follow my LinkedIn, I'm posting a lot of different articles on, uh, you know, GBT and AI for HR. There's a lot of cool things happening. Uh, TJ, what do you think the impact of these AI tools are going to be for HR? And what are some things that we should know about just to be thoughtful when we use them? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard not to get excited, right? Like it's the energy here um, is uh, and the momentum. It just feels it feels like we're embarking on kind of this new this new era of work. Um, you know, uh, for me, I love I love chat GPT. Like I've used it a ton. I've used it to help me plan vacations. Um, my my sister, who's in a, a math program in college, uh, I use it to help me reteach me trigonometry the other day when I was helping her with with That's some awesome. math work. Um, and from a work perspective, so many possibilities. I, I think another surprise um, that, that I've had is we do a lot of writing in HR. There, there's a lot of writing that we do. And, um, you know, some of us are fantastic writers and can just sit down and be done in a half hour. I don't, my brain does not work that way. It takes um, iterations. I have to kind of redo that. And so, um, you know, that's that's one of the ways I like to use it is, is kind of, a um, you know, as you, you said, a, a co-writer as you work on there. I think one thing that I've become more aware of I, as I've used it more is to keep in mind, there's still a lot of things it's it's not perfect at. It is just an aid. So don't all of a sudden think, hey, I've got a lawyer in my computer now and I can just ask a question and ship this out to an employee. I think our, our head of AI likes to remind us that LLMs like to hallucinate a lot and it makes it seem like it's totally real, but they, they may be totally telling you something false. So um, just keep that in mind as you kind of start experimenting with it is that there's still a lot to be learned there. That being said, um, you know, drafts of policies, job descriptions, um, I've used it to, to help me quickly um, think through questions I should ask in a survey after a, after a leadership event. Things that um, just just really helps you kind of uh, spur, spur your thinking there and it gives you something you can riff off and edit there. And um, there's so many uh, or businesses that are starting that are creating custom tools um, that, that leverage this. Um, so really excited and you know early days, but um, that, those are some of the areas I've been using it. Yeah, I've been using it in the same way, TJ. Um, you know, think learning about different things, writing about different things. Um, you know, I did it. You know, to do drafts of different policies and things like that. You know, one thing that we've been battling with at Bamboo that everybody should just know about is when you put information out there, if it's customer or proprietary, the system takes it on. So you'll want to make sure that you're really thoughtful about the stuff that you put in to the GBT um, because everybody else will be using what you put in there. So, you know, thinking about that with, um, you know, some people on your team about how your team members are using it, especially if they're using it for customer facing type responses. The other thing too, I didn't realize it wasn't current. It's two years old. It only tracks and um, scrapes through 2021, which I thought was really interesting too. Maybe that was common knowledge, but that that was news for me. Well, I know that we got we had a question earlier in the chat, and I know that both of you have been kind of speaking to it, but I was I'm wondering if you have anything more to add to it. Is Matthew had asked, do you feel that AI will make HR tasks easier now that GD, Chat GPT is in our future? Like, do you have anything more to elaborate on that? Um, I have no doubt. Um, I, I, some of the early businesses I've seen come out with this, like those administrative things, those paper cuts. Um, yeah, like I, the, the intent here is that 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 eliminates that. And, and so that, you know, some of that continuous improvement things, hopefully it automates that some, some of that for us so we can focus on the strategic things. And I'm excited for 
you know, I think we're talking around the surface now because that's what's there. But I, um, you know, I imagine a future and, and things that even we'll work on internally of like, hey, how can I how can I predict if someone's struggling? Like, how can I um, how can I predict the most likely path to enable a successful onboarding? Like, these are all things that I think are in the near future that helps us, again, shift towards the strategic work and identify those processes so that we can then go and implement or, um, you know, derive insights from that that we can go execute on to, to help the organization be more successful. That's what I'm really excited about. Um, so, yeah, is AI a threat to HR people or will it be a help? Um, I, I call me an eternal optimist, but I think it's going to be a huge help. Um, you know, most most technological advances we've had, there's always been the same thread of like, oh, no, it's going to get rid of all of our jobs. But in reality, I think it's going to enable us to to unlock a whole new level of productivity um, in organizations and, and as a society, frankly. So I do, too. But one of the ways to get around that, because it can be like fear based for sure, is to recognize that your role can evolve and change. If you've always wanted to spend more time in the strategic, using these tools allow you to do that. But you have to be willing to let go of things that you've done in the past and learn new skills yourself to continue to stay relevant and competitive. I mean, it's the greatest gift that HR Unplugged gives to me is it pushes me to learn and grow every week around the topics that we're we're sharing with all of you. Um, so I can see what's what's coming next around the corner and we can continue to grow our team to be ahead of that and being really thoughtful about how our skills grow and evolve as technology grows and evolve isn't just affecting engineers, it's affecting everyone now, which which can be exciting and it can be scary for sure. And I, I think, you know, uh, it's a good question. And, and I think this hopefully spurs a lot of where am I adding value in my organization? Is my value literally making making clicks so that people get the right emails when they onboard? Or is, am I finding value elsewhere? If you feel like your value is something that can be automated through like an AI tool or something like that, now is the time to start saying, okay, how do I increase the value I'm having in my organization? Where are areas that I can add that value and invest more and more time in that? And, and some of the things we talked about here is, is meant to help you figure out ways so you, to, to create time so you can, you can find time to, to make sure you're having more impactful strategic work. Yeah, you all are doing so much great work out there. The intention is that we're just bringing you tools so you can continue to make time for those hairy exit interviews, those key performance conversations, those strong value-driven conversations. Those are the places where you all are so brilliant and can really add value back into the organization. So with that, I want to just make sure that we get um, clear on our three takeaways from today. And I'm really grateful, TJ, you've been such a gift our community. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your wisdom. I think we all learned, you know, better ways that we can take away manual processes and, um, and develop more value back into the business. So you've given us a lot of things to think about there, how we take an HR tasks and move them into a digital or automated process. And what I love too, is the deep dive around Six Sigma continuous improvement, how to go about doing that. So I would say those are great takeaways for everyone here. And when you have a lot of repetitive tasks, how can you spend more time by automating those and putting it into strategic work? And I think we shared some good ideas on all of that. So thank you so much for joining us, Vanessa. Thank you for all your wisdom and insight as well. And for everybody in the chat, you always give so much to us and to each other. So keep doing the great work that you're doing for all those wonderful people in our community. And we'll be back on May 16th with our next episode 22. And we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, stay interviews. What's a stay interview and how to start having uh, those conversations or improving the ones that you're already having. Um, you can catch 
all of our episodes on your favorite podcasting platform. Be sure to subscribe to our series so you can get updates on new content added. And uh, thank you so much. Any final thoughts, TJ or Vanessa, before we sign off today? Uh, no, but thanks for letting me join. This was super fun and uh, appreciate all the interaction. And uh, it was fun to be here. Thank you. Yep. Great combo. Love today and love the interaction. Well, TJ, we'd love to have you in our HR Heroes Slack community. So if you have questions for TJ, he'll be in our Slack community, hopefully, and you can ask him questions there and ask each other questions. I love all the support that everybody gives in the chat. So thanks so much. And we will uh, see you next time. But don't forget to give us feedback about what you want to hear on upcoming episodes. So um, please answer the questions to the survey coming up now. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us for HR Unplugged. This series is brought to you by Bambu HR. Visit us at bambuhr.com slash HR unplugged for video versions of the podcast, additional resources, and to learn more about how Bambu HR sets people free to do great work. 